It's like, if you do A and you do B, sometimes you get C, sometimes you get D, sometimes you get X. You know, it's, it's about cultivating this intuition for what is going to work based on, yes, best practices, but also based on your own experience and figuring out what works for you. Because the way that we communicate is changing all the time. I had clients say that, you know, people come find them after like years after they've had a piece of press and that longevity is just, you just, you don't get that on social media. Welcome to the Openly Spoken Podcast, where we talk about the real and raw, messy middle of business and life transitions. My name is Celia Antonio, and I am here to navigate you through uncomfortable action so that you learn, grow, and achieve your goals. I'll share my journey, plus have inspiring guests openly share their lessons, wins, and struggles. If there's one takeaway I hope you can get from this podcast, it would be to be present and enjoy the journey. I'm so grateful you're here today. Now let's openly speak. Hello, welcome to the Openly Spoken podcast. This week's episode is a part two to last week's episode with PR coach Maria Ellerson. So if you missed last week's episode, go ahead and pause this and go back and watch that and you'll learn all about Maria's background, how she got into PR. You're also going to get a little bit of uh, nuggets with PR. And then in this episode, we are diving deeper into PR itself. And Maria is going to cover where to start in PR when it's, you know, when you're new and your business is new and you're just venturing into PR and trying to land press for the first time. We talk about press kits. We talk about common misconceptions. And of course, we talk about being intuitive and having conscious impact and all of that wonderful stuff. So get cozy, get a cup of chai tea or something warm and comforting, get a journal or your notebooks for some notes, and let's dive into the episode. Yay. Welcome back to the podcast, Maria. Thank you so much for being here with us again. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. Yeah, I'm so excited to dive deeper into um, PR. I know last time we scratched the surface a little bit, we heard more about your story. Um, But let's start with why why do you love PR? I'm very curious to know. (laughs) Um, I mean, I feel like there are so many ways I could answer this question. Um, But something that's been coming up for me a lot recently is kind of just the abundance of PR. Like it's at its core, it's really an abundant energy because it has its ability, this ability to just amplify messages and people to so many people and also just impact on a mass scale, which, um, you know, that grows businesses really organically, i.e. for free. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it's just, it's just so powerful. And it's something that like just excites me every time I see someone witness that abundance because I think the industry has a lot of or is kind of guilty of making PR seem like a bit of like a scarcity driven field like you know you need to be glued to the media 24 7 or you're going to miss an opportunity or like it's never enough coverage and I kind of adopt this like abundance mindset with my with my clients and it was actually one of my clients who reflected that back to me like oh this feels really abundant because I'm like oh you know if you miss an opportunity don't worry there are like tons of journalists there are tons of publications you know what I mean like yeah it's, there's gonna be there's gonna be another opportunity so 
so it's definitely that piece. And then the fact that, yeah, it just has an, an, an ability to amplify messages on such a mass scale and to do it for free. That's such a good way to look at it. And also it made me feel a little relieved because uh, I'm on the mailing list for help a reporter out. Mm, and, yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I'm not really, well, maybe I'm ready for PR now, but I've been on that list for months. And every time the email comes, I just delete it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have the capacity for this right now. Just delete yeah. it. <laughs> it is overwhelming. It's like easy for it to be overwhelming, but it's like, you know, you can skim through them and find the ones that are relevant. Yeah. And also there's an element of like trusting, like, yes, you know, it's good to be checking them regularly, but also to kind of trust that you will check it when you need to. If you have other things that are yeah. going that are more priority then you know, that's what you need to be tending to. Last time that you were here, we heard a little bit of part of your journey where you even mentioned this right now about scarcity mindset and connecting with your intuition. So I'm curious uh, for the people listening that want that same release and connection to their intuition, what would you say to them? Mm. This is such a good question. Um, <laughs> I mean, my first instinct, again, going to my intuition, um, is to is to drop into the body. You know, I mean, it's maybe a very like common, simple answer, but you know, your intuition lives in your body. It's a it's a feeling. So if you're not connected to your body, which is normal, because we've all been conditioned to disconnect. Um, you will not be able to listen to that intuition. And the more you connect into the body, the stronger that intuition is going to get and the louder it's going to get. But you need to kind of quiet the mind because the mind is conditioned to be anxious and overthinking and what if and all this stuff. Um, so you need to get into the body. And there are so many different ways you can do that. Obviously, me being a yoga teacher, I'd recommend yoga. <laughs> um, but any kind of movement, something that just like gets you out of your head, maybe it's just putting on a song that gets you to just like, you know, feel into your body doing some meditation, breath work, like whatever kind of just feels, um, feels like something that you're called to do um, and doing that on a regular basis so that you're regularly connecting to your body and dropping out of the mind. And then by doing that, you kind of get to peel back the layers of what you have con been conditioned to be and get to connect kind of the core of who you are. And that's when you can connect to that innate wisdom that I think we all have within us. Like we all, I mean, the, there's a reason why we call it a gut feeling, you know, like it is a, it is a physical, physical response. And the more we listen to it, the stronger that response gets. Um, mm -hmm. And to also just see it as kind of more of an exploration and experiment. Like, I don't know if your listeners are into human design, human design is something that I love. Um, and I learned that I'm a splenic projector, a splenic authority, which means that I'm very highly intuitive. Um, and all of the readers I've had have always been like encouraging me to really experiment with it as opposed to seeing it as this, like, you know, and then this discipline, it's more of like, okay, I'm going to just like, okay, that felt like an intuitive nudge. I'm going to like experiment with listening to that as opposed to what I normally do, or as opposed to what my mind is doing or mind is telling me to do and kind of see what happens, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and then you begin to create these um, these new experiences that like affirm that, okay, your intuition is actually right. You know, so that you can bring that up. Maybe you keep a note on your phone. Like every time I listen to my intuition, what happened? <laughs> and then whenever your mind is like, oh, this doesn't seem right or whatever, then you can come back to that note and be like, well, actually every like the last few times I listened, it worked out. Yeah. So. It's interesting how that, how that works. Like you can even think about 
the times that you didn't listen to the gut feeling. And then you realize like, oh, something bad happens every time I do that. It's very interesting yeah. to reflect on something like that. Yeah. I'm like, how many times have you ignored it? And then something happens and you'll be like, oh, I knew this was going to happen, but yeah. yet you didn't listen. It's like, yeah, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. But it's not, it's not like saying it, use it as like a, you know, an excuse to beat yourself up because it's normal mm. and it's challenging not to listen to your intuition, but Um, but yeah, to celebrate it when you do. And then I think to add to that, I would suggest also just being mindful of what you consume, like, and the people you spend time with, like spending time with people who are also actively pursuing an abundant mindset or actively strengthening their intuition and, you know, following Instagram accounts that are kind of like feeding that mindset that you want, as opposed Mm -hmm. to the more scarcity driven stuff, because there's so much noise out there. Mm -hmm. Um, but you can really filter your feed that way and listen to podcasts that like inspire you and motivate you like this one (laughs) as opposed to as opposed to ones that like you know that don't that don't bring you closer to to the mindset that you want and bring you closer to your intuition I love that you said you dropped so many gems there so like (laughs) I can't wait to listen to this podcast and take notes (laughs) yeah I'm gonna listen back but probably like remember to actually yeah hear my own wisdom so much easier to give advice (laughs) That also like, that also plays into like how into like when you're connected with your intuition, you can like challenge, not challenge, channel things that when you said them, you were like total embodiment of it, totally fully believed it. But then right after the experience, you're like, I have no idea what I just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like when people are like, oh, wow, that's so on point. I'm like, what did, what did I say? <laughs> like, can Does you just happen? mirror it back to me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that happen when you teach yoga? Because that used to happen to me all the time. Oh, yeah. Like when you really have those channeled experiences, you're like, where did that pearl of wisdom come from? Yeah. (laughs) It's like when you really like just step into that, yeah, step into that full self-trust. It's kind of amazing what can come up, you know, and it's like kind of creating a bit of that empty space. And yeah, just from a yoga point of view, like when I when I used to plan my classes too much, it's like, it didn't allow that space. Maybe like, I have to remember to say this and this and this. Whereas when I like kind of have like a basic understanding of what I'm going to do, but not have everything planned. That's when that stuff, that real magic can come through. Yeah. Yeah. My experience was the same. Mm -hmm. And too, I love how you mentioned about dropping into the body helps us to get out of our minds because our mind loves to think that it's so important. (laughs) Oh yeah. And always right. Even though if you actually recorded all the things that your mind says to you, it's like a really unreliable person, like Mm -hmm. contradicting itself all the time. Yeah. And with dropping into your body, uh, something that I've experienced in my own growth. And I also read this in a book. Um, I read it in a book and I was like, Oh, that he just validated how I was feeling. It's called, I think it's called quantum warrior. I don't remember Mm -hmm. the name, but I'll grab the book and I'll tell you it after we're done recording. But he talks about how uh, wisdom from the body will come first, like this, like feeling and sensation will be first and then like thoughts and ideas will channel through you. And um, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, that's why, like for me, this, this whole year has been kind of like a journey of connecting with feminine energy. So there've been like a lot of embodiment practices I've had to do and stuff. And then right after that, I'll have like, just un like divine, like <laughs> something out of my body 
information comes in and then I'll write in my journal and I'm like, oh, this would be a great Instagram caption or like, this should be my next master class. And it comes from this space of being in the body first. Mm, so yeah like I went off on a huge tangent there (laughs) no but it's so I think so valid such an important connection to make because sometimes we we like sit in front of our laptop and you like force yourself like I have to come up with something like you can't force creativity you can't force these things like it makes me want to recommend another book which is Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert I love that one such an incredible book and like I read the, that this year. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I like feel like I need to reread it. Um, but like the key piece that kind of is coming up for me now is how she talks about ideas and how we are not the creators of ideas. Like ideas are these separate entities that come and come to us because they want to be created. They want to be made real. And so mm-hmm. they visit the people that they think will make them real. And so if you don't act on it when you get an idea, that's why you're going to come across someone else who is doing what you feel like is your idea, but it's, but it's because you never made it real. Yeah. So it went and visited someone else and was like, well, maybe this person's going to make me real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that. It's like, you have to open up, you have to show up and be open to that inspiration. You can't force it. Mm-hmm. I love that. So let's, let's drive our little <laughs> podcast vehicle back to PR. <laughs> yes. So I'm curious to know uh, for for someone. So in the last episode that we recorded, you mentioned that someone is typically ready for PR after about a year of business, because like the first year, you're still kind of figuring it out. Maybe you're pivoting a little bit, changing your niche, and then you feel a little bit more solid at the end. Uh, why why is PR beneficial? Like, what are the benefits of PR versus like just relying on social media? Mm-hmm. It's a really great question, especially right now as like the algorithm seems to be like all over the place, <laughs> social media. Um, so the first piece is that it's a form of organic reach. So by landing press and by, you know, getting speaking opportunities and being on podcasts, you get to really reach a huge number of people. Like these publications will have like millions of readers and you do it for free. So it's, it's an organic way for you to grow and for you to reach people with your message that isn't limited by this algorithm. You know, it's, it's going straight out to these readers and not only does it connect with readers that way, um, it's also going to impact your SEO. If it's digital press, for example, it's going to drive up um, your search result, like your, yeah, your website on search results for relevant keywords. So it kind of improves your discoverability as well. So you're just really visible outside of social media as well. And if you think about the way that we consume things, like a lot of us are Googling stuff, you know, and not necessarily looking for everything on social media. Or if we look on social media, it's like, we'll see something like, oh, that's interesting. I'm going to come back to it. And then it's really hard to find it again on social media. Whereas if you look it up on Google, like it's, it's, you're going to keep a tab open, you know? Um, So it's really that organic reach. And then the second big benefit is also the credibility that it builds. You know, if you think about like, I mean, I asked my followers this question, actually, like when I was featured in Business Insider, I was like, how does that change the way you feel about me? You know, it's like this instant stamp of approval that's like, oh, shit, she must know what she's talking about if she's been featured in Insider or Forbes or whatever. Um, And there's also like studies that back this up that people really prefer 
recommendations 10 to one over traditional advertising because it's someone else being like, hey, check this person out. They're awesome. As opposed to the person being like, hey, I'm awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is kind of how I explain PR um, in layman's terms. Um, so it's a way to just build instant credibility with people who don't know you but it also is a way to cement that authority that you've already kind of built and the trust that you've built with your existing community because it's like, it also, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a continuation of the expertise that it, they already see. Um, so that's the other really, really big piece um, that you really cannot get anywhere else. Um, and that's also why, I mean, that's also the value of press. It's because it's earned, because it's not something you can pay for. That's why it gives you that credibility because you can't pay to have a splash feature in the New York Times. Like you have to pitch it and earn it and position yourself as that expert that they would then buy into. Um, and then I think the last benefit, because I feel like I can be talking about this for forever, um, is the longevity. Like compared to social media, social media posts, I think has an average, like one post has an average lifespan of like 48 hours if it's on the grid. Story, obviously 24. Whereas um, a piece of press or like a podcast episode, it lives forever. So that means that people can continue to discover you again, like if they're Googling old, like, I mean, old press comes up all the time. Um, it's also going to be boosting your SEO regardless of, you know, how, how long, how much time passes because it's such a high ranking um, domain authority. So Google is going to know that, oh, you're a reliable source for X keywords because this big media outlet has linked to you. Um, and I had clients say that, you know, people come find them after like years after they've had a piece of press or, you know, a podcast episode. If someone gets really into a podcast, like, like I do, then you want to listen to all the episodes. So you're going to go back and listen to the old ones and then maybe you're going to find someone. And that longevity is just, you just, you don't get that on social media. It sounds like uh, choosing PR as a strategy to grow your business is like very aligned with feminine energy because you're not like constantly putting out stuff you're just kind of you, you're pitching I guess I don't know how it works let's let's go through that let's go through that let's talk about that a little bit so if someone if someone knows what they're offering they've had their year in business uh they have I'm guessing that a signature offer like they should have a signature offer right before they go into PR well, I guess it depends on the nature of the business. You know, if you're a coach, okay. maybe it is a signature offer, but if you're a product business or a service business that has multiple, multiple offers, it's more of a matter of, of deciding like what your business goals are and what the kind of key product you want to push is um, and having that inform your PR objectives because you might be pitching different stories depending on what it is you're trying to sell. Gotcha. Okay. So Let's say we have all that. What is what is the first step? Like what's, so the what's step, their first step to getting? To getting press. Yeah. Um, getting press. The first step is, well, is getting that, getting clear on the objective, um, the PR objective. So I think, I don't remember if we talked about this last week, but the example that I like to give is when I headed up PR for this travel company, we were selling group tours, which we changed to trips <laughs> to millennials because tours were seen as this thing that like retired people do. Like your parents would go on a tour and it was like, not cool. Like it wasn't cool. Like that was kind of the, 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 the temperature of our audience. And so in order to sell these trips, we had to also change the perception 
of group tours among millennials. And so that was really the PR objective. So it's like, obviously the goal is to sell, but through PR, we could change the way people would feel and perceive these trips. And that's ultimately what sold the trips. So that's why it's, it's taking that time to think about what is the objective? Like, is there, you know, do you need to raise awareness of an issue that people don't know about that's important that you solve? You know, it's like thinking through that so that you have this clear intention because there are so many ways that you can land press. Like there's so, I mean, again, from my point of view, that's that, that abundance piece. Like there's, you know, we all have experiences that we can speak about. And like the media loves to talk about um, loves to feature like just average people because that's ultimately affirming um, a trend or a shift or whatever, you know, it's rooted in multiple people feeling the same thing or experiencing the same thing. But in order to bring it back to that objective, when you get clear on that first, you can then be intentional um, about the pieces or, of, or rather the the types of stories that you pitch for so that it's all kind of you're creating like a consistent narrative as opposed to just say you know going for all the different options just for the sake of landing press and then there's not really a clear narrative of like well you know of what you want to be known for so you're really positioning yourself as the go-to expert on like the key things that are relevant to your business so that's that's the thing that I would say to do first. And then the second piece is getting clear on the, your messaging, which are these things like, what do you want to be known for? What's your mission? What are your unique selling points? Um, <clears throat> and like, what are your core values? And how does that relate to the larger conversation? Like, what what is your unique point of view on what is happening in the world right now? And then you go to actually looking at who do you want to be talking to, which is based on your target audience. And then what do you, are there any like physical pieces that you need to pitch to press? Like, should you be, I've heard the term press kit. I have no idea what that is or what that means. Um, yeah, let's go through that. Yeah, no, great question. Um, so again, I think it will depend on the type of business you run. So if you're a product-based business, you need to have good imagery because um, like, you know, if you're going to be featured in a roundup in a print magazine, you're going to need to have a good image that they can, they can, they, they can use in that, in that roundup. So you want to have those ready to go. Um, for all business owners, I'd say have good headshots. Um, and that doesn't mean they have to be like boring and like super, super professional, but like professional enough that they're not like selfies. Um, so to have those ready, because a, a journalist might want those and it's just nice to have them and you're not going to have to go searching for them or like quickly having to having to take one um, and have those ready to go. And that's really what you put into a press kit. It's like anything that the journalist would need in order to feature you. So product images and headshots. And then the third piece that is usually in a press kit is the press release. But um, I see the industry moving more and more away from the from press releases, um, unless you're like a really big brand you know, that really basically only communicates through press releases because like, you know, like the president <laughs> and, um, you know, like big brands like Coca-Cola and stuff like that. Like they, the, the media is so interested in hearing news from them and they're a publicly traded company. They need to issue news all the time. And like, they know people are going to write about it because they're already well-known. Then sending out a press release is a really easy, quick way to like, just spread the message. Like, this is our stance. This is our news whatever. Um, but when you're kind of a newer brand or someone that is not as well known, 
you don't need to send like send a release. Like there's a time and place for it, but most of the time sending a pitch, which is essentially an email or maybe it's a tweet or a DM, you don't need to have this um, long word document or, or PDF. Um, and if anything, it's just going to be ignored because a journalist has hundreds and hundreds of emails in their inbox. So and also like, again, simplify, like why do it <laughs> if it's not necessary? I didn't realize until now that like a journalist really is there to collect their information. And if you are a person who wants to be in press, like you're giving them all the stuff, right? You're giving them your story. You're giving them your photo. Uh, for some reason, I thought that like the newspaper would come out and like come take your photo for you. <laughs> I think, I mean, it does happen if they're doing like a big splash feature or something like that. Like sometimes mm -hmm. they do have budget for those kinds of things, but it really depends on the publication. Um, so, and like typically maybe, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say. It, it, yeah, like I said, it really depends on the publication. Sometimes that does happen, but rarely now. Also because, you know, you might be talking to a reporter who's in New York and you're in California or like the other way around and media's budgets aren't what they used to be. Um, so that's why if you have those things ready, it just, yeah, it just makes your, makes your job easier. And ultimately your job when you're pitching the media is to help them do their job. And that's like my best piece of advice to anyone who wants to land press is like, how can you help the journalists do their job? And I think you touched on that a little bit. Uh, either it was last week or I've, it's something I've heard you say on your Instagram about making yourself newsworthy, like the way you craft your story, I think it is, or your messaging to make it like, so that when a reporter reads it, they're like, oh yeah, this is interesting. I want to feature this. How, do, how does someone go about doing that? Yeah, great question. Um, yeah, you always want to ask yourself that question when you're pitching a journalist. It's like, is this actually newsworthy? Because a lot of the time we can be like, um, oh, this is really interesting. And it's like, yeah, but why is it news? Like, like and putting on that hat, you know, like, you know, like, so one thing that's been been spoken about a lot in the media is the great, res resi um, the great resignation, right? Like there's been millions of people in the US who have resigned from their jobs, um, which has been making headlines. So if you were now to like, Send a, send a journalist an email that's like, oh, the great resignation is happening. It's, it's crazy. And like, I, I left my job. It's kind of like, yeah, but it's not newsworthy anymore. <laughs> it's already been talked about. So the newsworthy piece would be like, oh, I've seen firsthand, I've been working with a lot of cool businesses and all of their employees are burning out. That's why the great resignation is happening. That is like a new piece of information that builds on the story. So that's newsworthy. If you had like figures on that or like, um, case studies of that being the case for multiple people that could speak to like a trend happening that, oh, this is actually because of burnout or this is actually because of mental health issues or you know what I mean? Like something like that, that's newsworthy. Um, and the same thing goes for like you pitching your story, you know, something that works really well is things like, like a big transformation. Um, one that had that, um, we landed when I was working at that travel company that's just coming up for me right now is a lawyer who, yeah, she was, she was a lawyer and she quit her job, flew from Australia to the UK and became a tour guide. So she went from, you know, practicing law in like, you know, corporate, corporate environment and in a suit to traveling the world for, for her job. And that transformed, like that made a headline, you know, like that was like newsworthy because it's like, oh, there's a, there's an interest from readers and like living this kind of a lifestyle, you know? 
Whereas if you had said something like, oh, you know, this girl, she, she's a tour guide. It's like, why is that newsworthy? You know, it's like, you have to give them the piece that makes it, that makes it interesting. And then there are two ways that we can go about this. Like if, if we're someone who wants to land press, you can do it yourself. You can hire someone. You could also even join like a group program. Like I know you're going to share later in this episode about your group, group program. And you shared with me before our call that you wanted to kind of go over some common misconceptions around doing it yourself. Yeah, no. So um, the first piece is to say that, yeah, there are the two avenues that you can obviously hire someone. I think that feeds into the misconception. A lot of people think that you have to hire someone to do it. You have to get an agency or a publicist to pitch for you. That That's something that I've had come up from people saying that, oh, you know, why would a journalist want to talk to me? Like, wouldn't they prefer to talk to a PR person? And actually, every single journalist I've ever connected with, and this is across the board with all my PR friends too, journalists prefer to go straight to the source. If they don't have to go through all these gates and talk to these PR people, they like much prefer that. They hate having to jump through um, the hoops with us. They just kind of do it because they have to. So if they can go straight to the source, it like cuts out the middleman, they really appreciate that. And it also makes, you know, it's like an exclusive, like direct access. So that's the first misconception that actually you as a business owner doing your own PR is going to help you stand out against all the PR people. And also you are the best person to deliver your message. Like there's no risk of a PR person or an agency who doesn't have the time to devote to really understand you and your business and will water down your message. Like they, it's you delivering your message and it's coming from a place of truth and authenticity and, you know, coming from the heart. And that's also going to translate. So that's something that really stands out. Um, And then I think the other misconception that's really common is that you have to have media contacts in order to land press. Like that's something that gets thrown around a lot. Like, oh, you know, and even, even people who hire people for PR roles, like the amount of times I've been asked, like, well, do you have any media contacts in this industry? And it's like, how do you think you create them? Like they don't, you're not born with them. Like, oh, you're going to be a PR person. So here you go. Here's your little like black book. Like you have to create them. Um, And that's something that I think the industry is also really guilty of making it seem like, oh, we have all these contacts and that's what, that's ultimately what you're paying for, but you have to create them. And everyone is capable of creating them because contacts are essentially just relationships, right? And we're all able to build relationships. That's literally what we do in our work, in our social private life, like, And that's really what it is. And I feel like that just takes it off this pedestal and makes it less intimidating that essentially you're just building relationships. And the way you build relationships is finding common ground, right? Um, And that's what you do as a PR person. And something that I feel like the industry doesn't want people to know is that like the majority of the time as a PR person, you are not pitching people you know. You're pitching new reporters because it doesn't matter how good of a contact you have, like let's say in travel, I have a lot. If I'm talking about some tech company, doesn't matter if they like me, they'll be like, well, I write about travel. I'm not gonna start writing about tech just because I like you. You know, like this is my job is to write about travel. Um, so yeah, that's a really big misconception that I'm like, I wanna just shout from the rooftops that like anyone is capable of doing this. I'm also going to guess that when you're pitching to media, whether you're doing it yourself or you're hiring someone, that it might be like a long-term game. Like it might take a while for, to get a yes. And you mentioned in our previous episode that you like to work with heart-led people and, um, being a heart-led person myself, I'm very sensitive. I have a lot of feels. 
<laughs> so what advice would you give to those kind of people, people who are heart led, who feel a lot to continue going, even though it might feel like you're getting nowhere, or it might feel like you're getting a lot of like rejection. What advice would you give to those group of people? Mm, I love this question. I mean, I also get all the feels <laughs> um, so I can relate. And I mean, I guess it's first, it's just like to acknowledge that you're doing something new and you're doing something scary and you're putting yourself out there. Um, and so it's going to be normal and natural to feel this way. Um, but also if you're listening to this podcast, you're an entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur. So you also know that you, most of the time we get no's, right? It's like 80% of the time we get no's, but we believe in our business and our service or product enough to keep going. And it's kind of the same with, with Landing Press, um, that if you are connected enough to your why and your mission and what you are here to, like your, the message that you're here to share, you will find the right person. It's just a matter of, um, of time, really, and consistency. You know, that it doesn't happen overnight, but if you implement the best practices and you are really intentional and targeted with your time, you're not pitching, you know, a beauty story to a sports journalist, things like that. You know, if you cut out those, those like those mistakes and you can go straight to the source, it's a matter of, it's, it's, it's only a matter of time before it actually happens. So it's like staying in that place of trust, which I think comes back to maybe one of the first questions, which was like, how do you stay in, in touch with your body and touch with your intuition? And it's staying in that place of trust um, and knowing that it, it's coming, it's coming if you just stay consistent and keep working through the doubt and also not being attached. Like when I worked at an agency and I was under a lot of pressure to like deliver for some client. And I, I remember one day, I think I literally sent out like 200 pitches because I was like, fuck, like my boss is really unhappy. We need to deliver for this client. They're not happy. Did any of those journalists respond? No, because I was coming from this place of like desperation. Whereas I'm like, this is great. Oh yeah, this journalist will like it. Da, 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 da. I like forget about it. That's when I get a response. Not when I'm sitting and like refreshing my inbox, you know? Um, and I think that speaks to the abundance piece of like, you don't need to be glued to the media and to your inbox 24 seven. You just need to be strategic about it and then go live your life and go serve your clients and, you know, be in your zone of genius. So beautifully said, and it's very important to realize that like our energy and the way we approach things has an effect on the outcome. So I love that you brought that up. <laughs> yeah, it can be felt, you know, and I think that's also yeah. why journalists, I mean, because they, they are eventually like always, you know, interviewing the CEO or the source. Um, but if they can also feel you in the pitch, like they're going to feel that energy and you're going to be able to transmit that energy much better than a PR person. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, I don't want to, and I don't want to like discredit the many amazing PR people out there, but there are also just publicists who are just, you know, doing it for the money or doing it because it's their job. And yeah. that's why I think when you understand how all this works, when you then get to a point when you want to outsource, you'll be able to find the publicist who will actually be able to translate your message and buy into what you're all about. Mm -hmm. Everything that you've said this episode and the one before, like, I think just really, really shows your conscious approach. Mm. And thank you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> You're welcome. Mm. I'm curious. There's something that, um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> um, no, I just had a thought like um, there was something that we talked about earlier, which was about you know, like the strengthening the intuition. Mm -hmm. And I just, 
it just made me think about how actually what I teach and my approach to PR or just how basically how you pitch journalists anyway and the way that you implement a PR strategy is actually highly intuitive because there's not a there's not a recipe it's not like if you do a and you do b you get c it's like if you do a and you do b sometimes you get c sometimes you get d sometimes you get x you know it's it's about cultivating this intuition for what is going to work based on yes best practices but also based on your own experience and figuring out what works for you because the way that we communicate is changing all the time, which obviously is changing the way that the media runs and the way that you pitch the media as well. Like it used to be faxes and phone calls. Now it's email and social media mm. and it's an app. It's going to be changing. Like, you know, metaverse is coming. Like, you know, maybe yeah. we're going to be like VR pitching people, you oh. know? So, um, so there's no, and like the way that you pitch is keeps evolving and I, you know, you keep learning, but if you get that intuition and have that instinct, that can't be taken away from you. So then you're going to have the confidence to experiment and you're going to know how to be getting the recognition you deserve, regardless of like what's going on with technology and what the media landscape goes up. Like it looks like. I am mm-hmm. not excited for the metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not even go there. <laughs> like social media is already addictive enough. Like I can't even imagine if it's in a VR space, but that's a whole different topic for yeah. a whole I different only, episode. <laughs> I think the only thing that would excite me about it is that I would be able to hang out with friends who like live in other countries. Yeah. That yeah, would be true. Cool. That's that true. That would be cool. Instead of doing it over Zoom, mm-hmm. like actually being in the space. But yeah, that's yeah. it. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious to know uh, what media sources you like to keep your eyes on and why. Mm. Um, so I like to, um, check like daily briefings. Like I receive briefings straight to my inbox, which just is easy and simple. You can just kind of skim. So I get like the New York times morning briefing, which is really good. Giving you the top headlines also morning brew. And they're both like really objective, reliable sources. And then I also set Google alerts, which I would recommend everyone do because again, it just simplifies and gives you the daily rundown of stories that are relevant to specific keywords. So for me, for example, it's like public relations, women entrepreneurs, you know, things like that. So you can set those keywords and you just get it straight to your inbox. So you don't feel like you have to, you know, watch CNN for several hours or, you know, whatever the news source it is that you like to tune into. So that is like my way to really get like easy to digest um, snapshot of what's going on. And then if I want to go a little, like zoom a little bit out from like the pieces that are really relevant to me, um, I'll actually usually go on to Google news because I just really like that. I can see, you know, I can see one story, but then I can see how a quick snapshot of how different media outlets have covered it. Like the, the headline that they've chosen because obviously different media outlets have different biases. So that also kind of gives you an, an, a quick overview of, what the story is. And then based on those headlines, I can click through and read the full story from the source that like, I feel like is capturing it from the the best point of view. Um, and that's something that I would recommend people do. You can, you can toggle by region and you can search for keywords as well. Um, and that way you're kind of like curating it as opposed to um, just looking at like one media's angle. Um, and then I also follow some on Instagram, the ones that I like, um, which are NBC out, 
and pink news for all things like LGBTQ news, um, because that is really important to me um, and doesn't really get pushed <laughs> by a lot of media. So you have to kind of go digging for it. So that's really a really like nice way to, to receive that news. And then tuning into specific podcasts. Like I don't try to listen to everything. Um, you know, less is more, but a little bit is better than nothing. And the one podcast that I'd really recommend to everyone who wants to just kind of get a read of um, public sentiment on like the big news stories is um, After Work Drinks, which is an amazing podcast with these two girls. It's a girl from New Zealand and a girl from Australia who both live in London. They're both journalists. Um, but they're also just like so relatable and really sweet and like unpretentious. And they just like talk about the, the main headlines or the main shows that people are talking about and like any like big conversations that are happening. And it kind of just gives you a really good overview of what's going on and like the way people are responding to it without needing to go out and like read all the stories because they do that for you. That sounds like such an interesting podcast. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> Yeah. And they also like, I mean, the reason why it's called after work drinks is because they're usually sitting and having a cocktail, which is, you nice. can hear the ice, which That's is so also fun. Kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I kind of feel, I mean, I've been listening to them for like years now. I feel like they're my friends. Oh, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah. That's cute. It's good. Do you want to have a little manifesting moment and declare what media sources you will be featured in, in 2022? Ooh. Oh, <laughs> this is like exciting and scary <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I do practice what I preach and that's also why I feel like I can so relate to my clients because it is scary, no matter like, you know, even, even if you've done it a million times, mm-hmm. um, I should have a business insider piece coming out soon, which is exciting. So I'm like wanting to manifest that, that comes before the end of the year, which I think it will. Um, and I guess when people are listening to that, it will be 2022, which is wild uh-huh. to the future. Um, <laughs> I'm like, dare I say it? Uh, <laughs> we can cut I mean, it I've out wanted, if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to be featured in, in Cosmo, which I think is totally possible. Um, but my big dream, which is probably a shared dream among a lot of people, is the New York Times. Um, I've actually pitched them before when I was younger, um, when I was in college. I, um, I pitched them some stories as well. And obviously there's like so much competition, but yeah. um, now on the side of PR, it would be cool to come in that way. Yeah. So let me put that yes. out there. Yeah, we'll put <laughs> it out there. <laughs> Thank you again for being uh, on the podcast for a second time. Uh, for anyone listening, how can they find you online and find out more about you and also share about your group program? Mm, thank you so much for having me um I feel so honored that I get to be on twice (laughs) so thanks to everyone for listening to not only one episode with me but two um so you can find me on Instagram um at be conscious PR and my website is also beconsciouspr.com and my group program when you're listening to this will be live it starts February 2022 and um, there will be, well, actually, I think we can put this, the sales page in the, the show notes so you can get an overview of all the, all the things that are included in, in this amazing container. So it's a three-month, super expansive and intimate group experience where you will be invited to step into thought leadership, land press, and begin to impact people on a mass scale, and also sustainably grow your business. All the things that we talked about in, in this episode. And Honestly, I can't wait. The people who are already expressing interest are just 
super, super cool. So I'm just so excited for this, for this experience and would love to have those of you listening join. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Openly Spoken. I hope you enjoyed this part two episode with Maria Ellerson. If you want to hear more information about Maria's group program, Conscious Impact, there is a link in the show notes. So go ahead and click that link and that will take you to the sales page of her program. Her Instagram is also linked below. Let me know what you think about this episode. My Instagram is also linked below at selfexpressbabe. Go ahead and send me a DM and let me know what your biggest takeaway was about this episode. And I will see you next week. Thank you again for being here. I appreciate you.